If you want to turn your Bibles to Judges chapter 17 and 18, that's where we'll be this morning. Tomorrow night we have our New Year's Eve party. You're welcome to join us for that. It's usually pretty fun. Um, I don't think we've ever had a bad one, I guess, so it's always fun. Um, that'll start at 6 o'clock with a potluck. Um, and we're going to do a movie night also for the kids. It'll be a kids' movie. And um, If you want to bring popcorn, different kinds of popcorn, you know, get a little um, creative, I guess, and uh, bring that for that movie night. And then we'll also be playing games and, and things like that. We've got a, a couple things we're going to be doing. So that'll be tomorrow night, 6 o'clock. Um, then we're done at midnight. Um, this Wednesday, we will have our normal Wednesday service. Uh, and that'll be coming up. Uh, We'll be picking up right where we left off um, in the New Testament there. Um, and there was one more thing. Uh, let's see, what was it? Hmm. I'll try to remember throughout the teaching here. Judges. All right. Hope you all had a good Christmas. Oh, yeah. Prayer this Saturday. That's right. Prayer this Saturday morning. Uh, and that's from 7 to 8. So if you can be here for that, that'd be great. Prayer. We're going to switch that from the last Saturday to the first Saturday of the month. We can never remember the last Saturday. Jenny and I, we wake up and we're like, oh, man. Then we call and make sure everybody else forgot too, and they do. So um, we don't get in trouble. Uh, anyway, so we're going to do it the first Saturday of the month. We'll have prayer here at the church from 7 to 8. Okay. Um, the, the, the next portion, uh, the rest of Judges 17 through 21, is their stories. And I'm warning you for next week, it's a weird story next week. Um, this is one that you really can't make a Sunday school coloring page out of. I mean, even for me, it's too much. So what, what the writer's trying to do is they've gone through the judges. We ended up with Samson and, and, and some others. And um, what he's doing now is giving us some backstory. It's like an, an, an appendix to the, to the book to let us know the hearts of the people, the condition of their hearts, the state of the nation of Israel. And so time-wise, we're going way back to when Joshua just got done, you know, just died. So we're going clear back there. So we're out of chronological order now. We're going back to just getting some background. And we, we do the, the tribe of Dan today. Um, they've got some issues. Dan always has issues, it seems like. They were the first ones that got taken into captivity uh, by Babylon. They kind of lead the nation towards idolatry. That's kind of what they were known for. That's why when you go through the Bible, you'll see lists of the tribes of Israel. And sometimes Dan is missing. Um, and everybody wonders, well, why is that? Well, I think that's why, because they're off their rocker most of the time. But that's just my opinion, one man's opinion here. And so we're going to hit this. We're going to hear a story about Micah. Um, he likes to collect idols. That's what he does. And the idolatry isn't Moloch and, and all the Canaanite gods kind of idols. He just likes to try to create what he thinks God would look like. So he's still trying to worship the true and living God, but he needs something to look at. He needs a thing. Um, he's developing religion is what he's doing as opposed to relationship. God has always told us not to make images of him or things like him to worship. He just wants us to worship him like J.C. prayed in spirit and truth. And that's hard for people. Um, they want to see something. They want to grab something. They want to see an altar. They want to have ceremony. They want to have rituals that, that helps them. We like that kind of thing. We like lists. Things like that help us to know we're on track. That spirit thing is kind of like, well, it's like marriage. It's like, I, 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 you know, 
I think I love her and I think she loves me back, but boy, we got to communicate and talk to each other to find out, you know, what's the silent treatment for today? Is it because I'm in a bad mood? Is it because she's in a bad mood? So there's a lot of work involved. There's a lot more one-on-one. There's a lot more communicating, which is what God wants from us. That's what prayer is. I want you to talk to me, you know, uh, and I want to communicate with you. So that means I need you to be still and make time available for me, you know, um, I don't want to be roommates with you, your wife might say. You know, I didn't marry you so that we could just you know, exist together in the same house. I want, to, I want to have fellowship. I want to talk to you. I want to be romantic. I want to go out on dates. I want to have time with you kind of thing. I want to be going through this life together, which is what God wants from us. Religion takes all that away from us and from him. It, it makes it, we, we do it in hope that he's watching us do it. And somehow that's pleasing to him. And that's not, that's not good. Um, he wants us to communicate with him. So that's where we find ourselves with Micah. He's, he's making idols. He, he, he's trying. And what's happened is the nation of Israel had a good, strong relationship with God, seeing him in the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke, and he would communicate through the priests and the whole thing. We, we have that. But they've lost that sense. And when someone loses that sense of God in their life, they, they want it back, and they don't know how to get it back the right way, and so they begin to do it the wrong way. They bring religion into their walk. And that's a good litmus test for all of us. When we begin to bring rituals, discipline, thinking that's going to bring back that presence of God in our lives, that's a, it's a sign that, well, your heart's in the right place. You do want that back, but it's the wrong way to go about it. It's the wrong way to go about it. So we're going to see an example of this. Now, Verse 1, there was a man from the mountains of Ephraim whose name was Micah. And he said to his mother, the 1,100 shekels of silver that were taken from you and on which you put a curse, even saying it in my ears, here is the silver with me, I took it. So he's confessing to his mom. He got into her purse and he took her cash is what it is. Weird. And his mother said, even weirder, may you be blessed by the Lord, my son. So when he had returned the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver from my hand to the Lord for my son to make a carved image and a molded image. Now, therefore, I will return it to you. It's just kind of strange, isn't it? I mean, I'd I'd like to commentate on it, but this is just an unhealthy relationship all the way around, okay? Um, But the Bible's honest. doesn't sugarcoat it. This is weird, and it knows it's weird. God knows it's weird, and he's letting us know this is weird. And we're supposed to think that. So you're thinking the right way when you read this. Thus he returned the silver to his mother. Then his mother took 200 shekels. Not all 1,100, so it wasn't all given to him. She's like, oh, thank you for finding my money in your pocket. Here's your you know, finder's fee. Here's your 200 silver back. Then his mother took the 200 shekels of silver and gave them to the silversmith, And he made it into a carved image and a molded image, and they were in the house of Micah. The man Micah had a shrine and made an ephod and household idols and consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And that's very important to understand. This was one of those, you know, if it feels good, do it. Um, As long as you're not hurting anybody, fine, live and let live, all those platitudes that we have even today, this is what it looks like when, it, when it's in reality. When everybody is doing what's right in their own eyes, and everybody, this is like, it's anarchy um, controlled, basically, which is 
probably a contradiction, but the idea is um, if you're not harming anybody, go ahead and do what you want to do. It doesn't bother me. I'm not going to say anything. Live and let live. It's a strange teaching that we even have today. Um, and it causes decay is the point. Uh, a society falls apart. Uh, when you don't realize that you have a God and that he is the author of truth and that all levels of truth originate with him, then everybody's truth is the same, everybody's truth is equal, no one's truth is better than anybody else's. Who's going to say whose truth is right? You have no authority structure, things fall apart because you begin to do what's right in your own eyes. Other people don't think it's so fair, but you don't really care, and they don't really care, and everything falls apart is the idea. That's where they are. The nation of Israel is doing what's right in their own eyes. No one's in authority, no one's acknowledging God's truth, um, and they're, and they're going to fall apart. Happened in Rome. Um, it can happen in our country if we don't get back on track like we're supposed to. Verse 7. Now, there was a young man from Bethlehem in Judah, of the family of Judah. He was a Levite. Uh, and was, so character number two. We got Micah's household with the building idols, making them out of mom's stolen money. Um, and now we've got this Levite traveling, you know, salesman, basically, and was staying there. So he's moving around. He's a Levite, though. Remember the Levitical tribe is what? They're priests. Okay, so he's a traveling religious dude. And I do mean that in the worst sense of the word. Not, not like a, an itinerant preacher who is trying to take care of many, many flocks. That's a good thing, you know. Um, now, this is a guy that's looking for a job. He's a hireling. The man departed from the city of Bethlehem in Judah to stay wherever he could find a place. Then he came to the mountains of Ephraim, to the house of Micah, as he journeyed. You know, he found he, these two meet up. And Micah said to him, where do you come from? He said to him, I'm a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, and I am on my way to find a place to stay, looking for a job. Micah said to him, dwell with me and be a father and a priest to me, and I will give you 10 shekels of silver per year, a suit of clothes, and your sustenance. So the Levite went, Levite went in. Great. That worked out. Pastor search committee found their guy, um, a guy who's willing to stay for 10 shekels, um, but it's a stepping stone. That is the problem with hirelings. That is the problem with pastors being employees. They become an employee who is subject to the authorities of the church and not in authority in the church. They're not leading the flock. They're being led by the flock. It's a dangerous proposition. Um, I'm all for accountability, and you need to have that. But when someone says, I'm going to pay you to be a father and a priest to me, the person who's got the purse is the guy who's in charge. That's how it is. And this is going to come back to bite this Micah. Micah thinks this is a great deal. I've got myself a father and a priest. First of all, you're not supposed to call anybody father in this sense, according to Matthew 23.9. Jesus warns us of that. Warns us of several titles we're not supposed to call each other. Now, keep, it, keep this in mind. He also has in the commandments, honor your father and your mother. So it's not you can't call your dad father. You can't call him dad. It's not like he doesn't have authority over you, and he does. This is Father, capital F, a replacement of our Father in heaven. You can't call people that. You can't let someone be that representative to you, as if I can't go to God myself, I've got to go to you, my Father, and that's what this means. You're going to be a father and a priest. You're going to, you're going to lead me, and I'm going to follow you as you go to God as opposed to going to God myself. It's a, it's a bad deal. You're not supposed to do that. But for 10 shekels of silver and a suit of clothes, and, and I can, you know, room and board, um, we'll do this. And so this Levite does it. Now, here's the other thing. The Levites have lost their way. 
The Levites were scattered throughout the nation, remember, in their little cities and their little places so that everybody could come and seek the Lord, you know, uh, at the time. They could come and, and talk to these guys, and um, they, were, they were interceding on behalf of the people to God and on, to, from God to the people. That was their calling. But people had stopped giving money to the temple. Um, these guys weren't getting taken care of. They were all having to go find jobs. They were all having to go out you know, uh, and not be able to focus on the ministry God had called them to. And so they're all out doing their own thing. And so this guy says, well, I'm just going to be a preacher for hire. So there's a lot of things going on here that have developed into this situation. It isn't just one guy doing something wrong. The whole nation's wrong. Because the whole nation's wrong, the priesthood is wrong, and everything's just, it's falling apart. Um, and you can see that. Um, you can see that in any country, even in our country at times. You see people it's like, I don't think this is the way it was, it was intended by God. The way we worship God, this isn't, this isn't what I'm reading in the Bible. This isn't like the book of the Acts. I don't see this stuff. And that's, that's good that you notice that or that we notice those things. Because it can become so normal to us. Well, it's just what you do. This is what everybody does. This is what every church does. This is how it is everywhere. There's a place that I can't look and not see this. It's, it's like this everywhere. So this must be right we assume. And that's why we have to hold on to God's Word. God's Word returns us from where we've strayed. We read it, we look at it, and we say, oh, I, I thought that was normal until I read Scripture, and it tells me this is not normal. And then you realize, I need to get back to what's God's normal, not what society normal is. And it's so important that, like J.C. prayed, and as we've been praying, as we open our hearts to receive what God has for us, all our um, preconceived ideas need to be there. That's fine. You don't have to throw them out yet. But be prepared to throw them out if God's Word goes against those preconceived ideas. That we, that we cling to God's Word and that we don't um, stick to our bias and disregard God's Word. We, you don't want that. Um, and so this is supposed to show us this is what it looks like. When everybody does what's right in their own eyes, they create God in their image. They begin to worship him how they want to. They begin to hire people. And we, it falls into this situation. It's, it, gets, it gets ugly. And what happens is, on Micah's behalf, this turns into a bad deal for him. He thinks it's right. He thinks he's going to get closer to God. He's obviously gotten rid of his son, who he raised up to be a priest. He's hired this new guy to be a priest because he's like a real Levite. You know, he's been to like the seminary kind of thing. And so they've hired him. And so now his son is out, apparently. Or maybe he's going to be the helper or the out, you know the altar boy or whatever. Um, and now we've got this new guy. But this new guy is only there for one reason. Why? Money. So what happens when a better offer comes along? Bye. I'm moving on. Going to the bigger money. Because that's what it's about. It's not about the people. It's about the salary. And every church that has a pastor search committee and hires someone is subject to this. They fall into this category. They don't realize it, but they're a stepping stone, or they get the dregs, the leftovers, and especially these small towns, unfortunately, because the man or the person that's there to minister is not there by a calling. They're there by application. They're there by resume. And that's a horrible way to start off. Horrible way to start off. Because you have a person there who is going to take as much is they can take from people until they can't take it anymore, then they're leaving them because they don't love them. They don't care about the sheep, they want the paycheck, but if the paycheck becomes not worth the trouble, then they leave. And that's the problem we have. 
Then the Levite was, con uh, was content to dwell, for now, with the man. I threw that in there, sorry, because I know the rest of the story. And the young man became like one of his sons to him. Well, yeah, I thought he was supposed to be a dad. I thought he was supposed to be a father. So Micah consecrated the Levite, really. Micah consecrated the priest. Interesting. And the young man became his priest and lived in the house of Micah. Then Micah said, now I know that the Lord will be good to me since I have a Levite as a priest. He's doing it for gain too. I got this Levite in my back pocket. Now I'm going to surely be blessed. I got this silver God my mom made for me. Looks kind of like God or what I think he looks like. I got this bona fide, genuine Levite. This is going to be awesome. We're going to, this is going to be a mega church. If you turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, we're warned about these kind of guys that use religion for gain. Dangerous place for everybody, for the person, for the minister, but also for the people. And I don't know exactly where I want to start, I guess, because he's going on a, on, Paul, the writer to Timothy, the young pastor, is writing, he says, verse 3, let's start there, says, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, which is everything he said in that entire book, actually, 1 through 5, which we don't have time for me to read to you, obviously, but go back. So if anyone doesn't teach what I just shared with you, 1 through 5, uh, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, not just my letter, but even Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, using wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such withdraw yourself. Steer clear of those folks who think that godliness is a way of gain. Um, they're not going to do you any good. And, and so Paul is warning Timothy, as you're going around picking out leadership for your church, as you're picking the elders, as you're going through these things, and you're looking for men like that, avoid these guys that think godliness is a way of gain. It's a terrible thing when you change your relationship with God as a way to get. We've been given enough is the idea. We've been given salvation through Jesus Christ. He's died on the cross for our sins. I'm not going to hell. You're not going to hell. I don't need any more from him. And my relationship with him and my love for him should be based off of what he's already done for me, not from what I can get out of him further. You know? And that's what's happened here. And so we see this. Micah thinks he's going to gain by having a good relationship. Now I'm going to really be blessed to the Lord. And there's a lot of that health and wealth teaching out there. Be careful of the guys you watch on television. You know, when you see these guys up there telling you that, you know, God just wants to bless you. Stay away from those people uh, that are causing you harm and bringing you down. You need to surround yourself with, they got the big toothy grin there, and you look at them and they're completely successful and they've got a giant mega church and the spotlight's on them and you're like, that's what I want. You know, that's not Christ. That's not what Jesus did. Did Jesus remove all of those that brought him down? Did he surround himself with successful, happy people that were building him up? It's the exact opposite of what Jesus did. Jesus came to minister and to serve, not for the healthy, but for the sick. We're called to that same cross. We're called to that. And so it's a lie. It's a subtle lie. It seems right. It seems like, well, yeah, that should work. If you keep away the negative and embrace the positive... That's going to be awesome. 
But you don't ever consider the fact that maybe you're the negative person in everybody else's life. What if it's you? What if you're the bad guy? What if all of a sudden all your friends adopt your doctrine and all of a sudden you're alone? Where did all, all those positive people go? Well, they got rid of the, the guy that was tearing them down. It was you. And then you get, start to figure out, well, then I have nowhere else to turn but Jesus. Great. So maybe he's telling them the right thing. All the people that are out for it for themselves, all the people at church looking how they can grow and get better and become more, maybe that's the best thing they can do is get rid of all the people so that they can go seek to Jesus and talk to him and let him build them up and stay away from those people that don't love them. It's the opposite. And so Paul tells Timothy, remove yourself from them. Uh, get rid of those people that are out for gain. Um, and the idea behind that is that they might not gain. So that it doesn't work. So that they go and seek the Lord, you know. Chapter 18. Now, this is a long one. Now those days, there was no king in Israel. And in those days, the tribe of the Danites was seeking an inheritance for itself to dwell in. For until that day, their inheritance among the tribes of Israel had not fallen to them. So the children of Dan sent five men of their family from the territory, uh, men of valor, Zorah, and Eshtel, to spy out the land uh, and search it. So they're going to look for a better place to stay or some more property. They said to them, go and search the land. So they went to the mountains of Ephraim, to the mountains of Micah, and lodged there. And while they were at the house of Micah, they recognized the voice of the young Levite. They turned aside and said to him, who brought you here? And why are you doing, what are you doing in this place? Why do you, uh, what do you have here? What's the point? What are, you, what are you guys looking for? And he said to them, thus and so Micah did for me. He has hired me and I have become his priest. Now this guy must have been pretty famous if they recognized him by his voice. Hey, we know that guy. He's a popular guy. What's he doing over here? Why do he leave? You know, he says, hey, this guy gave me more. So in other words, he had a job where these guys knew of him, but he gotten paid more from this guy. He was looking for it, and uh, I'm here now because I got 10 shekels. So they picked up on that. It's going to come back later on. Uh, they're going to figure out that in order to get this guy's heart, they need to offer him more money, and they do, and he does. So they hired me, and I become a priest. So they said to him, please inquire of God that we may know whether the journey on which we go will be prosperous. Find out if God's going to bless us. And the priests said to them, doesn't say that God said it, doesn't say he went to seek the Lord, the priest just said what he's supposed to say. Go in peace. The presence of the Lord be with you on your way. So that's what they wanted to hear. You're going to be totally blessed. Did you inquire of the Lord? Don't need to. I'm a priest, you know. So the five men departed and went to Laish. They saw the people who were there, how they dwelt safely in a manner of the Sidonians, quiet and secure. Here's the three things they didn't have. There were no rulers in the land who might put them to shame for anything. There's no sheriff in town. They were far from the Sidonians. There was nobody who was going to come to their rescue. And they had no ties with anyone. There was no allegiances. There was no help from other countries or other nations. Then the spies came back to their brethren at Zorah and Eshtel, and they, their brethren said to them, what is your report? So they said, Arise, let us go up against them, for we have seen the land, and indeed it is very good. Would you do nothing? Do not hesitate to go and enter to possess the land. And when you go, you will come to a secure people in a large land. 
for God has given it into your hands, a place where there's no lack of anything that is on the earth. It's awesome. It's great. And 600 men of the family of the Danites went from there, from Zorah and Eshtel, armed with weapons of war. And they went up and encamped at Kirjath-Jerim in Judah. There they call the place uh, Mahane, excuse me, Dan to this day. And there it is, west of Kirjath-Jerim. And they passed from there to the mountains of Ephraim and came to the house of Micah. So they find this guy. It's interesting all these things just kind of come together. Then the five men who had gone to spy out the country of Laish answered and said to the brethren, Do you know that there are in these houses an ephod, household idols, a carved image, and a molded image? There's a lot of money in there. Now therefore, consider what you should do. So they turned aside there, like I passed this up, and came to the house of the young Levite man, to the house of Micah, and greeted him. The 600 men armed with their weapons of war, who were the children of Dan, stood by the entrance of the gate. Then the five men who had gone to spy out the land, went up, entering there. They took the carved image, the ephod, the household idols, and the molded image. The priest stood at the entrance of the gate with the 600 men who were armed with weapons of war. What's he supposed to be doing? He's supposed to be protecting the sheep. He's supposed to be taking care of them. He's supposed to be ministering. But who's he standing with? The stronger. He's standing with the 600. When these went to Micah's house and took the carved images and the ephod and the household items and the molded images, the priest said to them, what are you doing? They said to him, be quiet, put your hand over your mouth and come with us. Be a father and a priest to us. Is it better for you to be a priest to the household of one man or, that you, or you to be a priest to a tribe and a family in Israel? So the priest's heart was glad. And he took the ephod and the household idols and the carved image and took his place among the people. But take my gods and go. First of all, it's sad that your God can be robbed. That's the first thing you need to notice here. It's sad that in your religion, if they take that away from you, you've lost the presence of God and you need to protect that presence of God by protecting the ritual or the idol or whatever kind of thing you've got going on in your life. God is who he is and he's strong. He doesn't need us to defend him. Now we do, we stand up for righteousness, that's important, but it's not necessary. Uh, he stands on his own. If nobody opened their mouth, he defends himself. He doesn't need us. He can't be stolen. He can't be robbed. In fact, when they tried to rob him, remember they took his chair, the Ark of the Covenant, and they set it up in, the, uh, in Dagon's temple, the half fish, half God man, after they captured him in battle and they put the chair there. And every time they'd wake up in the morning, Dagon was in a different position. He was either falling down with his, finally his arms and head were broken off. This idol had fallen down and was worshiping, you know, the true and living God. Then they got hemorrhoids, and then they had rats, and they had all these crazy things happen to them until finally they said, take your God's chair back. You know, God doesn't need us to defend him. He does that himself, and that's who we serve, and that's who we worship, and that's good. When you fall into this, when you have to protect and keep and maintain, uh, it should tell you something about what's going on. Um, I, I don't mean to keep hitting on the churches, but we've got to get more membership. We got to get out there and get more membership. If you've got to go out there and get more membership, something's wrong. People should be coming to God. People should want to. It's okay to invite people to church, but invite them to the Lord. Invite them, meet them, tell them to meet Jesus. Take them to the to God, who's who you have a personal relationship. And whether they ever darken the door of a church or not, you, you can introduce them to that. The God who wants to have fellowship with them wherever they are, kind of thing. It's in spirit and truth that we worship, not in location. And you run into that problem. Well, we gotta, 
we got to go talk to the people that aren't tithing as much as they used to. We need to maybe send them a letter, let them know the needs, and let them know that, you know, we, we know that you promised this much last year, but, you know, you haven't met your, 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 your quota. Let's call it what it is. You didn't meet your target. What is this? Where did this come from? How did this develop? How did we get to this place to where we run a church like a corporation or like a, a, a car salesman, you know, it's the end of the year. I get so tired of hearing that. Is anybody else tired of hearing that? Your end of year giving is running out. No, I've given everything I'm going to give. You know? Um, you want more? I'm sorry. I don't have more. It's so far removed from what Scripture says. Um, and I understand. I understand why they do it. Um, they, ministries get into a place of desperation and they know that honestly there's a lot of people that just forgot all year long to give like they should. And they get panicky towards the end of the year but not because they've forgotten to bless God with what he's given them but because taxes are coming up. We've got to make sure we get, you know. They're thinking about tax deductions. They're not thinking about the Lord's work and what he wants to do and all of that. It, it's just... And so when I see those ministries doing that and asking for that, it, it only feeds that side of people. They can forget it all year long because, I believe me, the, the ministry will remind me, you know, because they always do. They're never satisfied. There's never enough. It's like, hmm. So we see that here. We see this problem. It's nothing new. It's not something that's developed in our country or in this world or in this day and age. It's something that's always been. It's always been this way. Um, it's a struggle to have a personal living relationship with the true and living God and to keep it there. It takes diligence to keep yourself and your heart and your mind in the right place. It's hard because um, it, can be, it, can, it can change. It moves. Um, you, slowly, you drift until you, can't see, you don't see sight of land anymore. And you're like, how did I get out here in the middle of nowhere? And that's where they are. They're in the middle of nowhere. So the priest's heart was glad. Yeah, it's going to be a bigger paycheck, bigger, bigger church. I got not just one family of 300 or how many Micah had. I got a whole nation now. Hey. And he took the ephod and the household idols with them and they went. Now, verse 21. Then they turned and departed and put the little ones, the livestock, and the goods in front of them. When they were a good way from the house of Micah, the men who were in the houses near Micah's house gathered together and overtook the children of Dan. So they're coming after their stuff. And they called out to the children of Dan. So they turned around and said to Micah, What ails you that you've gathered such a company? So he said, You have taken away my gods, which I made, and the priests, which you have gone, uh, and you have gone away. Now what more do I have? How can you say to me, What ails you? <laughs> What do you mean what ails me? You took my stuff. You took my religion away from me. Can you? True religion is orphans and widows, serving God, staying humble, walking with Him, loving truth and justice. This isn't it. They just took your stuff, man. And the children of Dan said to him, do not let your voice be heard among us. In other words, shut up. We don't want to hear it. Lest, your, lest angry men fall upon you and you lose your life and the lives of your household. Why don't you go back where you came from? And the children of Dan went their way. And Micah saw that they were too strong for them. He turned and went back to his house. You devastated, obviously. 
His stuff was gone and God was God. They took my God. So they took the things Micah had that he had made. And the priest who had belonged to him, <laughs> underline that, and went to Laish to a people quiet and secure, and they struck them with the edge of the sword and burned the city with fire, with this priest leading the charge in Ephraim. Killing the Ephraimites. There was no deliverer. There's those three things again. There's no sheriff in town because they didn't want a sheriff, because they didn't want to be told what to do, because everybody was doing right in their own eyes. They didn't want to tell, I don't want to know, I don't want any laws. Okay. Then you are in a strong survive mode. Whoever's biggest, whoever's the biggest stick wins. And that's what's going to happen. There was no deliverer because they didn't want one. Because it was far from Sidon, they'd moved too far away from where any help could come from, and they had no ties with anyone. They had no agreements. There was no friendships. There was no love. It was in the valley that belongs to Beth Rehob. Uh, so they rebuilt the city and dwelt there. And they called the name of that city, uh, of the city, Dan, after the name of Dan, their father, who was born in Israel. However, the name of the city formerly was Laish. And here's how we finish up. All this was going on, it says. The children of Dan set up for themselves the carved image, and Jonathan the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. That's the Babylonian captivity, which is coming. So they set up for themselves Micah's carved image, which he made all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. There was always a true place to worship. There was always an actual place they could go and do what God wanted them to do, to worship him in spirit and truth the way he had prescribed, where he had prescribed. It was always there. It was too far, or I didn't like the way they did things there. It was too convicting or whatever, but there was always the true place. And God will always have that no matter where we go. If you move and you go to another place, another town, or another city, there's always a place that's teaching God's word and doing, doing church, worshiping God in spirit and truth. But it takes some diligence to find that place, to do that. The whole time this is all going on, all this weirdness, there was always the house of God in Shiloh. It was always there and available for people. And that's where we close this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. It's convicting. Um, we always want to be true to the way you prescribe things. We want to worship you in spirit and truth. We want to follow the book of Acts. Um, we want to be that way. And uh, uh, we thank you for when we read and we find ourselves maybe a little convicted, like I'm leaning in one direction or another that's away from you. It's just great to get into your word, to get sight of shore, to get our bearing, and to find our way back to where we were. Um, some of us were way off the path, and some of us were just a few steps off the path. Um, but you, you have the ability through your word to bring us back on track, and we thank you for that, God. We want that. We desire that. So we thank you for this morning. We thank you for uh, changing our trajectory, getting us ready for 2019, God, um, that we would be true worshipers of yours in spirit and truth. Um, we don't need a New Year's resolution. Uh, we don't need to make pacts or promises or um, swear uh, to you at all. We just need to do, to just love you like you loved us, um, to worship you in spirit and truth, to walk with you, um, and to stay close to you. 
And that doesn't need to wait till January 1st. That can start right now, this afternoon, Lord. So Lord, help us to stay as close to you as we can. Thank you for your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.